Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of the Faith to Go podcast, your one-stop shop for everything you need to have faith discussions throughout your week with your friends and with your family. My name is David Tremaine, and I'm the Minister of Formation at Good Samaritan Episcopal Church in San Diego, California. And I'm Charlotte Pressler, the Youth Missioner for the Episcopal Diocese of San Diego. And it's been 10 weeks since I said that opening thing. And I, I know. Huh? I was it's just thinking to myself, back to hosting, David. Yeah, it's like I've been practicing it every day. <laughs> I bet you have. For the last 11 weeks. <laughs> I haven't. It's just ingrained in my psyche. I can never get it out. Welcome, everybody, back to the Faith to Go podcast. We're so glad you're here with us. Uh, as you're listening to this, it is the Sunday. Uh, it's Easter Sunday or the week after Easter Sunday. So happy Easter to everybody that's listening. Um, we will be talking about the uh, gospel for this upcoming Sunday, which is the first Sunday after Easter, Easter 2, if you will. Uh, the story of Thomas and Jesus's resurrection appearance. Um, but before we do that, we like to share a little bit about a place that one of us saw God this past week. And this week, it's my turn. Yes, it is. And uh, I, this past week, had um, in-person worship for the first time. I, I want to say it's for the first time in a year because it was so different than when we did for like two or three weeks in the summer, have mm. people there. It uh, just had like a totally different feel. In the summer, it felt like we were just kind of like teetering on the edge of having to stop mm-hmm. <laughs> every week we did it uh, and only were open for a few weeks. But this week, now it just like with a vaccine, with people, like so many people that were there were fully vaccinated. And it was just like feeling like this isn't just like a week to week thing. This like could be true for a while. Yeah. And the thing that really was so, I mean, it was a combination of a lot of things like at Good Sam, I have been doing a lot of the, like a lot of the, like helping a lot with like the technical aspects of liturgy, of like putting it together, of helping with the streaming, of the Zoom call, this, that, and the other thing, which is, which is not something that I see as like a central part of my vocation. I think there are people whose it is that really sure. love the technical thing. Mm-hmm. I'm not one of those people. I've taken it up like in COVID time. And this past week was like the first week I worshiped at Good Sam. And wasn't responsible for any of the technical things for liturgy. Yeah. So that has, that just felt like this, like, for me, this breath of fresh air. And then to, like, be there looking out at this group of people, just feeling like, I feel like the, the way I felt God was in just the hope of that moment and the space that I hadn't felt for over a year now. Yeah. You know? That space in the sanctuary, that liturgical kind of communal prayer space that just does not happen for me on Zoom. Mm -hmm. And especially not when I am like muting and unmuting people and like changing camera angles and trying to figure out technical problems and things like that. You know, right. Well, and it's important to name that as we have gone through this year, this whole week, as a matter of fact, I have been reflecting on Holy Week last year. Mm -hmm. And part of the reason why I've been reflecting on it is, if you recall, David, you and I worked very, very hard on Faith to Go leading up to Holy Week because we created Mm -hmm. resources for every single day in Holy Week and videos and all of these things. And truly, God was so present Mm -hmm. in that period of time. And yet it's really important to name that now God is moving in a different way. 
And it may not be forever. It does. I would agree with you. It does feel like this is where we're going to be for a while and this opportunity to be in presence with each other and to worship together in community. It doesn't feel like two or three weeks and then we're going to have to say no. It feels longer term than that. Is it permanent? None of us know at this point. But naming the fact that God has moved so many different ways through this season and to be able to take that deep breath right now and be in community with people to worship together, to see God's presence in a 3D face instead of a 2D face, that's that's a very real presence of God. Yeah. yeah. And we would, you know what, we would really love to hear uh, what you all are experiencing. And it doesn't just have to be in in church on Sunday morning. It Mm -hmm. could be in any of the communities and groups that you've been physically separated from, you know, trying remaining socially close in whatever ways you can. But uh, what has it been like for you? If you've begun to feel that kind of opening, where do you feel God moving in, in that hopefulness, you know, of, of returning to presence with one another? Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, and we would also always love to hear any of your stories uh, from your week of faith discussion or reflection. Uh, you can always email us, faith2go at edsd.org. You can contact us through our website, www.myfaith2go.org. Or you can contact us through or follow us on Instagram, at faith2go. And now we're going to move into our conversation about the gospel for this upcoming Sunday, this upcoming Sunday, April 11th, 2021. Uh, the Sunday after Easter or Easter 2. Charlotte is going to read the gospel and then we will uh, highlight some context briefly and then highlight three points that we hope you take into your week of faith discussion and reflection. So the gospel is John 20, 19 to 31. When it was evening on that day, the first day of the week, And the doors of the house where the disciples had met were locked for fear of the Jews. Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I send you. When he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. But Thomas, who was called the twin, one of the twelve, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see the mark of the nails in his hands and put my finger in the mark of the nails and my hand in his side, I will not believe. A week later his disciples were again in the house and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were shut, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and see my hands. Reach out your hand and put it in my side. Do not doubt, but believe. Thomas answered him, My Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, Have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have come to believe. Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written so that you may come to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that through believing you have life in his name. Um, Okay, so the story of Doubting Thomas. You know, we don't have to call him Doubting Thomas. I feel like we've talked about that before. 
Uh, he's resilient, Thomas. Mm-hmm. You know, in other parts, he's very faithful. Really. Um, this is immediately fo- this is the first story that happens after the Easter Sunday reading from John, which you may or may not have heard, but it's you know Mary Magdalene at the tomb and Jesus saying, "Don't hold on to me." He looks like a gardener and uh, he says her name and she recognizes him. Uh, and then we've got Jesus here uh, re- appearing to the disciples for the first time. And just also just know that this is not the end of the gospel. You know, after this story, there's a whole other chapter, mm-hmm. chapter 21 of Jesus having interactions with individual people. So he's kind of like having an re- interaction with Mary, going to this group and then having interactions with those individual people within the group. Uh, and so that's where we are. And I have the first point and I'm just I'm thinking about um, I'm thinking about not just I'm just I'm thinking about like the whole community of disciples and how they how they negotiate their relationship with Thomas mm-hmm. and I'm I, I I believe I've said something similar to this in previous second Easter episodes but I think it's important I think it's even more pertinent today to think about how we exist and continue to be in relationship with people that disagree with us on what we would believe to be fundamentally true facts. Mm. So what we, we know that what happens is that Thomas is gone and Jesus appears to the disciples and Thomas returns and Jesus has left and they're all like, Thomas, this amazing thing happened. You know what Mary said? That is actually true because Jesus has appeared to us. He is, in fact, risen. We've seen him with our own eyes. And Thomas is like, I'll believe it when I see it. Mm-hmm. And we don't know why Thomas says that. We don't know what his motivations are for saying that. But it's totally understandable because he has been through trauma. You know, he has suffered a great deal. He's watched his closest friend, this person he believes in die a gruesome yeah. death at the hands of the powers that he believed Jesus was going to come to overthrow and so we can't I, I can't fault Thomas for that you know I get that mm-hmm. and what I the, the amazing thing to me is that they stay together after this happens mm. that like Thomas is a Jesus resurrection denier right yeah. And in the face of all the other nine of them knowing that he is wrong, they don't throw him out. He doesn't leave and go on Twitter or whatever <laughs> the the Jesus resurrection denier platform is uh-huh. and go find a, this other group of like minded people to go and grow this conspiracy theory about, you know, he stays too. And that must have been super uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. Like, think about how, because Jesus doesn't come back the next day. Jesus doesn't come back for another week. Yep. So Thomas and these other disciples, again, they're not going anywhere. They're, They're like huddled in this upper room alone, and they are just with one another. Like, how weird would that have to be for this fundamental life-changing, earth-shattering, paradigm-shifting truth to be there that 90% of them know and 10% of them deny. Yeah. 
and how easy would it have been for that to splinter that community mm-hmm. and in a year this pro- this was true a year ago and it feels even more true now that like we are divided across so often across people who believe the a majority of people who believe a thing to be true and a minority of people who deny that thing yes on increasingly diff- like an increasing number of fronts mm-hmm. over an increasing number of facts you know and like what i'm amazed by is that it doesn't seem like the disciples spend the rest of the week trying to convince thomas that he's wrong they just keep creating space for him to be there and he keeps creating space in himself to be the minority voice and be there with them as well mm-hmm. and that leads to his recognition of truth mm-hmm. in the end it leads to his it, he, they don't have Thomas never sees Jesus without that ability to remain in that discomfort in that relationship uh, in the tension of that relationship um, and so I just wonder how can we in a year again where this life changing earth shattering paradigm shifting reality has been happening of the coronavirus and we know that there are globally and especially in the United States a a good chunk of people that don't believe it to be a problem or Mm -hmm. don't believe it to exist at all and just add that to an increasingly long list of other conspiracy theories like what uh, without be without having to agree or without agreement or disagreement having to be the end result can we remain in relationship can we open up the space for community to exist where everybody can be in relationship with one another and then see what is revealed when that community can stay together yeah well and it's really interesting david because it makes you think about like what was that week like Uh I love to think about that because I am not convinced that any amount of arguing about things that polarizes us is ever going to make us less polarized. It is in choosing to be in relationship with each other and choosing to be in relationship with Jesus too, that maybe there is the opportunity to notice the ways in which we are similar, the things that we have in common, and that in by doing that, that then we create the space for people to see differently. And it takes a lot of energy to do that. But that is also the only way forward, because that's the only way to really listen to a story, to hear someone, to what, what is true for someone. Because Thomas's experience was true for him. Right. You know, regardless of whether the factually he was correct or not. Right. Isn't that interesting to think about, right? That our experience can be true without being factual. Right. Um, And I think that that may take us to my point, which has to do with Jesus's presence among us. So at the very beginning of this gospel that we just heard, we hear when it was evening on that day, the first day of the week, and the doors of the house where the disciples had met were locked for fear of the Jews. So the disciples were inside this room, and not only had they shut the door, but they had locked the door because they were afraid of the Jews that were outside and that there was going to be retribution and that they were coming for them next or whatever their internal dialogue was about what was going to happen with the Jews. They had locked the door. And in locking the door, 
we realize that no locked door can stop Jesus mm-hmm. because he didn't bang on the door. He didn't use a battering ram. He didn't call out to them. He just appeared in the room mm-hmm. with them. And I love that image because I am fairly certain that I am not just speaking for myself when I say that there are times in my life where I have locked the door to Jesus, mm-hmm. where in my fear, in my anger, in my frustration, in my overwhelm, that I have been like, I am going into this safe place and I am going to lock this door and I need to be by myself. And God, even you are not invited in that I am so overwhelmed, so overwrought. Mm-hmm. Um, actually, that's probably the right word that I have shut out everything, including God in that moment. And sometimes in those moments, that is always, well, actually not sometimes, that is always when God comes to find me where I'm not allowed to be alone in that moment. And that whether it be the opportunity to fall apart and to cry and to lay that pain and anguish at Jesus's feet, Mm -hmm. or whether it is that I do sometimes feel more peaceful in a time of anxiety and disconnect, because it's happened. It's happened, I think, probably for all of us where we're spinning. The world is spinning. And suddenly for just a moment, it feels like it pauses. Mm-hmm. And if we pay attention, we can name that that's God's presence in, in that time there with us. And so we have this locked door and Jesus coming through and being like, here I am, disciples, peace be with you, mm-hmm. right? Peace be with you, an offering of peace for them. And I'm mindful that, yes, that can happen for Jesus. But what, a, what about the Jews that they had locked on the outside? What about those people that we are locking on the outside of our door because they are different than us, because they disagree with us, because we are afraid of them, because we just don't like them. Whatever it is that has caused us to lock our door and close them out, none of those relationships can be healed through a locked door. They they don't have that superhuman magical power that you are naming that Jesus has to just appear on the other side of the door and force us into conversation to be in relationship with them. The only way that those things that are so scary for us, so overwhelming to us, the only way that growth happens in those instances or relationship changes in those instances is if we open the door. Yeah. And I think that is a good segue to our shared point, which Mm -hmm. is thinking about through the lens of this story, what what might Jesus be? Jesus is talking about forgiveness at the very at the end there and giving them kind of this charge in their mission going forward to forgive and that what is forgiven will be eternally forgiven. Or It's easy to kind of get into some sort of conceptual idea of forgiveness as an as a thought experiment mm-hmm. but like what does forgiveness look like based on what we just talked about in the story about like remaining in relationship about not erasing difference but holding space for it about not shutting the door to people who are different than us or that we are fearful of like in this context it seems like jesus is using the experience that this community of disciples just had to tell them about what forgiveness like feels like and means and looks like because it's not it's super uncomfortable and it it includes living into discomfort and tension but about letting go of the idea because forgiveness is about letting go it's like can we let go of the idea that 
we are going to come to some sort of tidy conclusion of mm -hmm. relationality because mm -hmm. a relationship is always just going to remain open-ended you know it's never going to feel we're never going to get a sense of sense of closure right uh especially when we're talking about big differences and big areas of discomfort and tension and disagreement so like maybe then to forgive is not like how how forgiveness does not just require something something being done to us and us letting go of our frustration or anger or resentment of another person like we can have frustration and anger and resentment towards another person for something they did that had no effect on us at all right like how many of the disciples were frustrated and resentful of Thomas for saying that he disagreed with them when it makes no difference to them right whether he believes or not mm -hmm. Jesus is still resurrected whether he believes or not like was for forgiveness in that in that situation was letting go of their desire and need to change Thomas for the sake of creating space for community. Yeah. You know, and like, and then in thinking about the, the locking the doors, like, can we, can we let go of this need to barricade ourselves so that we can open up to relationship? Because it feels like our security is going to come from being separate. Right. And our, what we're really yearning for is connection. Yeah, because our, our greatest our greatest security is in connecting with other people. Right. It's also our greatest vulnerability. So it's like. Well, and I think that it's important to name that piece of forgiveness that is often said almost as a trite saying, but that forgiveness changes you as much as it offers forgiveness to the other person. And I think that that's really important to recognize, especially as we reflect on the polarization of all of our relationships right now that when we open the door to relationship with other people, even the hard relationships to other people, it changes the way we feel as well. Mm -hmm. Not necessarily even just about them. It's not saying that in opening the door that it's woof, poof, everything's better, right? That, that's not what I'm saying. Yeah. But the carrying around the anger, the frustration, the energy that it takes to keep that door closed and locked mm. is exhausting. Yeah. And that sometimes being brave enough or willing enough to open the door to go back to being in community with others, mm -hmm. that taking that first step of forgiveness gives us the opportunity to rest, mm -hmm. to let go of the tension that we have been holding or to at least ease our grip on the tension that we've been holding yeah. because naming the fact that it's not immediate none, none of this is immediate as far as that goes but I do think that Jesus is saying that that we have a choice in it uh -huh. that we have a choice to retain the sins of others or to let go of uh -huh. them and both the ways in which we have been harmed and our conception of wrongness uh -huh. because a lot of times we spend a I'm not going to speak for you. I spend a lot of time thinking about the things, the grudges that I'm holding or the values that I am holding where I am correct and others are wrong, mm -hmm. that I spend so much energy on that when instead I could be spending my energy on being in relationship yeah. with other people. Right. Yeah, and I think Jesus is kind of saying, if this is Jesus's like moment of teaching how this transition is going to work and how they're going to need to be how they're going to need to be taking over the mission without him there. He's kind of saying like, you're not going to be able to do what I'm asking you to do. If you can't 
do this letting go thing. <laughs> like Just it's going, let that it's go. It's going to be impossible. Mm-hmm. You're going to use all your energy bickering amongst yourselves and you're never going to do anything. Yeah. And yeah, and so it's like, and, and at the same time, forgiveness in this context, the way we're talking about it, is not the same as agreeing, mm-hmm. you know? Like they can forgive Thomas. They can create space for Thomas. They can let go of that need to change Thomas and still not agree because they know that he's wrong. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's fine. Yeah. Like, can 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 we can we live into this feeling of like forgiveness, not also being uh, condoning action? Yeah. You know, and a wrongdoing. You know, and so it's not about. Yeah, it's just so much about r- reclaiming connection and space for connection. Uh, and so, and it comes up in so many different ways. It's not just this one, you hit me, I'm mad at you, you say sorry, I forgive you. Mm-hmm. It's like there's so, it's all encompassing really. There's so much we can let go of. Mm-hmm. And there's so much that we're retaining. Mm-hmm. So, that's our three points. It is. Um, point number one was mine. And uh, oh. it was about Thomas. Yes. As, as you can imagine. Um, but about this, you know, how we can, how the disciples and Jesus are teaching us how to respond to disagreement, even on the most fundamental basic facts that we know to be true, and how we can r- remain in relationship with one another across those differences. And Charlotte's was similar in thinking about how we lock ourselves away, try to lock God out from mm-hmm. our lives, try to lock other people out based on our own feelings of, you know, insecurity. Uh, of fear and becoming aware of that so we can think about how we might cultivate the energy to open the door and that opening kind of led to point number three which is our joint point which was uh, about forgiveness and kind of expanding how we think about forgiveness Uh, and so having heard those three points we would love to hear what your point is from the gospel what jumps out to you if you read this again you can always email us, faith2go at edsc.org. You can contact us through our website, www.myfaith2go.org. And you can also contact, contact us or follow us on Instagram at faith2go. Thank you all for listening. We will be back next week. We hope you have a joyful uh, beginning to your Easter season and an, a fun celebration of Easter week, wherever you may be. And until next time, say goodbye. Goodbye, goodbye everybody. everybody.